Hello, and welcome to Date Night at the Movies. Or How I Spent My Babysitter Money. I'm Jess. I'm Jordan. And this week's date night was at Malton Fest. We have a very incredibly special episode for you that I think we've been teasing on Instagram for like the last two or three weeks, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Uh, uh, it, Twitter more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, but... Uh, yeah, it's just taken a while to get together, but I've had so much fun going back and re-editing this episode. Yeah. Uh, so basically, for those of you who we've been teasing this for a while, we went to Malton Fest, which was Leonard Malton's film festival. Uh, it was held at the Egyptian Theater in Hollywood, which is just kind of a surreal theater to be at, too. Yeah. Because it's one of the old school theaters. Like, I think that's where like they used to have like the Oscars and stuff. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, like back before the Chinese theater was a thing. Yeah. So it's older than the Chinese theater, I know. Uh, but what's so super surreal about it is it's right on Hollywood Boulevard, which as people who used to live in Los Angeles, we hate Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. It's Hollywood Boulevard, when you walk down it, it's I would liken it to that if you've ever been to Times Square in New York. It's all it is is tourist town, mm-hmm. and it's so incredibly noisy um but then you walk in to the egyptian yeah you walk in like the egyptian courtyard and it's all just concrete and they have like these little storefront areas that are all boarded up they're probably just using them for storage but back in the day it was probably you know souvenir shops and things like that but literally 50 feet away from the hollywood boulevard it just gets quiet yeah and you're just hanging out with all of these with all these really like what was probably really cool in the 30s 50, uh, and 50s Egyptian de- decorations. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, then it, I would say I wouldn't say decor. I would be like painting. Well, painting, and then because the inside definitely doesn't look like they didn't make it look like Egypt. It just looks like a very classic movie theater. Yeah, it is a very classic movie theater. So much to where you can actually walk into the theater without doors. Yeah, uh, on the sides, like they have doors that go into the very back. But um, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. So we didn't get to go to the first two days. It was a whole weekend. Yeah. But we got to get there on Sunday. And I figured we were just, we just, I just wanted to give you guys an introduction to what it is you're going to be hearing. Because like I said, it's a very different style of episode. What we did in celebration of Leonard Malton and how I've said many times he was probably the most influential film critic for me uh, because he would give these little capsule reviews and he would release a new book every year. And I would get to just buy one of those books, and I would just read all of his reviews. And they're all about a paragraph long. So what we did for the three movies we saw is we decided that we would record little capsule reviews the second we saw them. So the first two are out in the, lo- in the lobby, and the third one is as everybody's leaving for the night, we literally sat there in our seats in the Egyptian theater and recorded our review of the third movie. Yeah. Also what makes this a little bit special is we have some um, some recordings of what was going on live in the theater with the Malton family. Mm-hmm. Um, we were there on Mother's Day. Yeah. Um, and it was so incredibly special because we got to have mimosas with Alice Malton, who kind of, the reason that we all know who Leonard is, is because she made a business out of it. Yeah, she told us afterwards. And she, w- she was just the sweetest, most friendly woman. We learned so much about Alice Malton in the first five minutes yeah, that we talked to her. they were so kind. Uh, but she told us that back when she and Leonard got together, because he had coincidentally stopped doing his first like film review magazine uh, right after they met. And all of his peers were calling her Yoko. So it's almost like she was like, I'll show you Yoko. And she basically <laughs> built him up into Leonard Malton as we know him today. Yeah. It was so as far as date nights go, this was an entire 
date 12 hour day. Mm-hmm. Um, it was super special. Um, they just seeing Leonard and Alice together was so sweet. And Jesse, their daughter kind of was the brainchild of Malton Fest. Mm-hmm. And she has the incredible ability to make everyone feel welcome and warm. So this was a really special opportunity, um, because we had gotten to chat with Jesse over social media. So it was something to get to meet her. And the last little introduction before the last movie was so special to be there, to be on the closing, uh, there at the closing movie and of something that Leonard Malton thinks is incredibly special. Mm-hmm. Even though you'll hear our review, we're not sure still what to think about it. Yeah. Um, but it was really, really special to be there with kind of these Holly, Hollywood legends. Exactly. Um, and so one thing that you're going to hear, like we said, we have the reviews themselves, uh, but I also recorded some of uh, Leonard and Jesse introducing each movie. Uh, actually, it's interesting how it plays out. The first one is just Leonard by himself. The second one is Leonard and Jesse. And the third one has Leonard, Jesse, and Alice. Yeah. Now, I edited those down a little bit just to kind of help keep it more on point for what our show is. Uh, also, I didn't want to just, like, pirate Leonard Malton on our podcast. Yes. So so I you're going to hear some edits. I'm pretty proud of myself. I think I got them down pretty yeah. well. But you're going to hear some stuff like that. You're also going to hear us reaching into our popcorn and candy because it was literally just on my phone. So if yes. you hear it, We're in the us. theater. Yeah. Um, and I will say all of his words are of his likeness. We are not taking any credit for anything that the Malton family says. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is completely on their own. Thank you so much that we got to be a little bit part of their family on Mother's Day. Yeah. And uh, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, there's no dog in the podcast. No dog and no drink. And no drink. Well, we had a lot of water and you know what? The, I know what the drink of the podcast I is. I think I know what you're going to say. It's a mimosa. Yes. Drink of this episode is a mimosa. Yeah. Because so, we got to have like three mimosas with uh, <laughs> with Alice outside the Egyptian theater. Yeah. So I highly recommend. So go get your a glass of champagne and an orange and an orange drink yeah. and put them together in a really fancy glass or if you want to be like us in a plastic flute mm-hmm. and really enjoy this very, very special episode of Malton Fest and where we get to do capsule reviews in honor of Leonard, Leonard Malton. And we got to do an awesome book signing. So stay tuned. Yeah, that is what actually where we're going to drop you in right at the beginning here because we didn't get a chance to record before the book signing. So as we get dropped in, uh, we just left the book signing to, yes. to kind of put you there. So yes. get ready to hear our thoughts on Malton Fest. And I hope you enjoy uh, Song Catcher, Absolute Beginners, and Bella Lugosi Meets a Brooklyn Gorilla. So take this as the as the pre-break part of the episode so like go watch all three of those movies if you can Uh, yeah um i know at least one of them is free on youtube and the other ones are definitely available for rent yes so we'll make sure in the description of this episode we will make sure to have those links available Mm -hmm. Um, but also google is an amazing thing it is so uh sit back relax and enjoy date night at the movies at malton fest Well, hello. We're checking back in here at uh, Malton Fest 2019. I have almost no words right now. As our uh, constant listeners will realize, 
it's a pretty big deal. I just got to talk to Leonard Malt. Yeah, so we um, just had the privilege to have a couple things signed. Um, so uh, Jordan got to totally geek out with Leonard Malton. I shared with him how we are always like, this is about family. I'm like, that is straight from your Furious Six <laughs> Yeah, we've stolen that. So if you've ever heard our joke with Fast and the Furious, it's not our joke. No. And we've never claimed it. So it's not ours, but you may use it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a delight. He was talking about kind of the joy that has been so far this weekend to watch movies with all of us. Um, this is our first day and our only day here in Malton Fest. Um, but I'm so excited to be able to spend the rest of this afternoon watching movies. I know. There, there's some interesting ones. Like, we've never even thought about seeing the ones that are here. No. Now, just to give a full transparency heads up, we are going to have to miss one of them. There are three yes. that are being screened today, and we are not looking yes. forward to having to miss one of them. Yes, but, but we have to, you know, do life as well. Yeah. Um, the other amazing person we just talked to was Alicia Malone. She's got two books. Uh, we've got Backwards in, uh, Backwards and in Heels, The Past, Present, and Future of Women Working in Film, and The Female Gaze, Essential Movies Made by Women. So again, this is Alicia Malone. Uh, we'll be sharing as well... Um, in the details of this page, but she also has a podcast. She's an, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was such a delight to talk to her. Um, she also works for Turner classic movies. Um, and the fact that she wrote these books about women in cinema, because we, uh, I like, I bought these books today and I looked at Jordan and I was just like flat out as a woman in film, I didn't even know these books existed. So um, if you are a filmmaker or you like movies, um, I can't recommend these enough. I know we're both really excited to read these. Um, We'll also be sharing, um, uh, Alicia also has a podcast. It's called uh, Magnificent Obsession with Alicia Malone. Uh, So we'll make sure that we share that as well. So make sure you subscribe to uh, Magnificent Obsession. Um, So Alicia is a, a film critic as well. Um, and she does something similar that we do here at date night, but she does it a little bit more often as opposed to just talking about movies. Um, she really interviews people and her May 2nd episode is with Leonard and Jesse Moulton and Jesse Moulton. We had the very huge privilege of meeting as well. Yeah. We just basically got to hang out with Jesse Moulton for a few minutes before she had to go get stuff from uh, Alice's car. Yes. Yeah. So, um, she, she is a delight. And um, what's so cool about this so far is it's very small. Um, You know, it's a bunch of movie nerds, which is wonderful. Um, And it's, I mean, they're doing all the work and all the legwork. So anytime you see a film festival and you think you you see the red carpet and you think it's all glitz and glam, also remember that it's, it is so much work. So thank you so much to the Malton family for letting us come and crash on this weekend. And I guess we need to walk around a little bit more. Um, and we need to walk the red carpet ourselves. Yeah, let's go. Let's go get some pictures taken. Woo-hoo! Hey, everybody! Welcome back to Date Night Live at Malton Fest. Uh, it is just really cool here. Uh, we finally got to meet Alice Malton, yeah, Leonard's wife and Jesse's mother, who's just amazing. She poured us uh, mimosas, yeah, and we got to talk. Uh, we got to talk Mother's Day talk with her. Yeah, <laughs> she she was so funny. Yeah, she actually um, she was telling us about Jesse being born because it's their only daughter, um, and we've said this that Jesse and I have the same name. 
Did mm-hmm. we say this on the podcast already? I, I don't know if we have. So, well, in case we haven't said it, or if we say it again, um, Jessie Malton is the daughter of Leonard and Alice, and we connected with her over Twitter because we were very excited to be coming to this, and uh, she reached out to me personally on Twitter and was like, that's not your real name, because her name is Jessica Bennett Malton, mm-hmm. um, and goes by Jessie. Uh, little uh, known fact, my mother calls me Jessie. Yes. No one else is allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, so it's been fun to connect connect with her um and jordan uh she had a jesse had a huge crush on a jordan bennett in elementary school in the second grade she told us that she wanted to marry him so that way her name would be jessica bennett bennett it's hysterical yeah so uh so that's how that's how we first met jesse malton yes (laughs) um so we got it was fun to talk to alice and uh according to jesse uh because it is mother's day Alice was like, I want everyone to have mimosas. Yeah. So, um, which, uh, shout out to my own mother, uh, because that is what my mother insists on, on Christmas day. Yes. Insists. It has to happen. Yeah. Jessica's mother and I will literally just sit down and have like nine mimosas together on Christmas day. <laughs> and I just have a glass of champagne and, a, and like 5,000 cups of coffee. Yeah. Jessica's like, you're too much sugar. <laughs> I don't love it, uh, but I'm really I'm I am drinking the orange juice today because Alice Malton told me I had to, and I do I do have a mimosa with my mother. Yes, I'm not. You just I'm, don't have the other eight. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Um, so I mean, nothing too much to repeat. We're actually getting ready for the first movie, Songcatcher. So we've got to go fill the meter. Mm-hmm. and get ready for this next movie. So the next time you hear from us will be an actual review. Yay! <laughs> so you think it would be set up for success, but the small distributor that acquired it got eaten up later that year by a somewhat bigger distributor, and it sort of got orphaned. And I don't think it ever got a proper release. And that's one of the reasons why it remains unknown, or largely unknown today. In spite of its quality and in spite of the incredible cast that you will see led by the great Janet McTeer. Uh, this is the work of a very talented woman named Maggie Greenwald, who made three films in a row that I happen to think are superior. The Kill Off, her least known movie, which was also at Sundance, a Jim Thompson novel adaptation. Then this, and then another great film a strong female protagonist, excuse me, called The Ballad of Little Joe, the Susie Amos. They're all terrific films, and, uh, and Maggie Greenwald deserves uh, a higher place on the ladder of great female filmmakers. She lives on the East Coast and couldn't join us, but we're watching her personal 35-millimeter print. This with her at the Virginia Film Festival about three years ago, and it played really well as it always seems to do. So I'm not gonna say no more hype. But we have a short subject uh, beforehand, as as we've been doing all weekend. Now, this is kind of a trailer, but it's in the form of a short subject. So I would call it an indirect trailer, a soft sell (laughs) trailer. And it's one of my all-time favorite shorts. It's called Hollywood Extra Girl, starring the great Cecil B. DeMille. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, and DeMille, of course, was, at that moment, 
the best known movie director in the world. I mean, known by the general public. First off, because he did appear in a number of zone trailers, but he started promoting himself in the teens. Uh, he appears on camera in a prologue to the Warrens of Virginia in 1915. This is a man who had a gift for self-promotion. It's not accidental that Billy Wilder had him play himself in Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. It, was, it made perfect sense. But also in 1935, he began hosting the Lux Radio Theater, one of the most popular uh, weekly programs on network radio. And uh, they didn't call him director, they called him, now your producer, Cecil B. DeMille. Uh, and he played that role to the hilt. Nobody played Cecil B. DeMille better than Cecil B. DeMille. Does a darn good job of disguising the fact that it's promoting Cecil B. DeMille's The Crusades. <laughs> give you Hollywood Extra Girl, followed by Songcatcher. Enjoy. Hey, and welcome back. We are here live at Malton Fest 2019, and we just got out of a screening of Maggie Greenwald's Songcatcher. When the movie ended, uh, Mr. Malton was actually sitting in the aisle right across from us, and he got up, and I look over at him, and I'm like, how could I have never seen, heard of this movie before? And he looks around, and he's like, did you all hear this? How, that's the point. How could, we have, how could you have not heard of this movie before? It was amazing. It was a stunning, and it was stunning. Yeah. It's actually one of the most incredible... It was, inc it was incredible, and this is an, a terrific example of why women voices are incredibly important to be heard, mm -hmm. because the touches and the way that this movie felt and the relationships were, were undoubtedly, un undoubtedly made by a woman. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely, you know... Like Jessica had mentioned earlier today, you know, there's the male gaze, and the book that she just got was the female gaze. And uh, I definitely think that this is a movie, you watch it, and you can tell that it is from a woman's point of view. Um, the unfortunate thing about call saying woman's point of view is that the zeitgeist has so wrongly made people think that a woman's movie is going to be like a romantic comedy. Oh, or yeah. It, or it's going to be like just some piece of fluff. This was a movie, it was very economical. Yeah. Uh, it was very economically shot, you could tell. But there is a scene in this movie that I think rivals Goodfellas in terms of like a single take type of thing, especially at a big gathering. Uh, yeah. The, the party. Yeah. Um, I call it the picking party. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the fight at the picking party. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, but I think the thing about it is like there's a scene in this movie where Janet McTeer, who is just amazing. Well, I, the um, only word that I keep thinking of is stunning. Yeah. And she is just magnificent. But there's a movie, or there's a part in this movie where she is taking her clothes off in the middle of the woods because they say that there's a panther cat, and that's what they call it, that stalks the woods. And if you hear the scream, you just take off all your clothes, and it will tear up at your clothes. Uh, and you'll get away safe. Yeah. She, she does that, and then she ends up in the clearing with the love interest there, and then they have sex. But it's never shown in like a, it's never shown in a titillating way. Yeah. It, so, if you ever want to know the difference between like the, or what the male gaze is, I mean, watch this movie for a lot of other reasons. But check out that scene, and then you can see that if a man had made that, it would have been sexy. 
Yeah. And like that's not to say that Janet Meteor is not beautiful in this movie, but that is to say that it wasn't a scene that was shot to try and get you aroused. Right. Well, this whole movie was there to touch your soul. Mm-hmm. That she, very, very, Greenwald very, very deliberately doesn't make these pe- people beautiful. Right. Again, that's not to say that you don't look at these people and go, holy crap, they're beautiful. Yeah. But she really makes you fall in love with the souls, their souls. Mm-hmm. And, and this is of every single person. Because if you were to look at this per- these people, um, I mean, they're very clearly actors. Um, but they don't make them clean. They, uh, ugh. Another thing I want to bring up, so one of my biggest things that I really didn't like about A Star is Born is the movie's complete and utter lack of a score. And this, and in A Star is Born, it completely lacked drive. So there was many times that I wasn't sure what I was supposed to be feeling, where the motivation was coming from, so it needed a score. This is a terrific of an example of a movie that is a is a music movie. So this this song catcher is about this professor of musicology going into the mountains to capture mountain music. Mm-hmm. It is much more than that, but th- that's the heart of it. Yeah. And this is a terrific example of a movie that has incredible amount of drive and motivation due to tremendous acting, tremendous directing, very forward, and the story continues to drive itself Mm -hmm. and you don't it it is fueled by the music that it's generating and the director has such great choices that it really lets you know how you're supposed to feel without a whole lot of score yeah there is score in this movie it's not a very subtle score at all no and that's one thing i will say about this movie is that it's a very old-fashioned in terms of the way that it's shot the way that the score is integrated yeah Uh, that's not a bad thing at all but like Right before this, we they screened a short film from 1935. Yeah, uh, it was called Hollywood Extra, and it was. I mean, I think uh, I think we actually caught a recording of Mr. Malton introducing that one. But essentially, it was a commercial shown for Cecil B. DeMille's The Crusades. That yeah. was a short film starring Cecil B. DeMille and somebody as a. Uh, she was a Hollywood extra. So right before that. We saw this. We saw this movie. There was that. Then it went into this. So I was already in that mindset of it being kind of old-fashioned. Yeah. So to be completely honest, it took me a second to get into it. But once I did, and once I let myself just be involved in the story, it it was just so good. How many banjos would you give this movie? How many banjos? I would give this. I mean, honestly, I would give it a five. I'd probably give it a five too. I think, like I, I just immediately it, it, in so many moments, it made my heart swell. There was things that made me really excited. I mean, there were several times that I just grabbed Jordan's arm. Yeah. I mean, utter I think surprise. We, and I think we both had like teary moments in this movie oh, too. Oh, I'm like, I'm actually having a kind of a difficult time kind of keeping it together right now. Yeah. I just think it was, it is a movie that. I kind of feel like I have not seen that yeah. before, and from a pers- a point of view that is very clearly n- mm-hmm. not present enough, yeah. and it is proof that that these movies exist, and how dare they be hidden from us? Exactly. Um, I just want to give a shout out to the four MVP or no five MP- MVPs in this movie. Uh, yeah. Janet McTeer was amazing. 
Aiden Quinn, I'll, I've always thought he was such an underrated oh actor. And, and God, honestly, made his eyes so His piercing. eyes are so dreamy. <laughs> um, this was Emmy Rossum's first movie. Yes, and she, and was, she was amazing. She was really good, and she she had a she had a, actually a really great like mountain dialect too. Um, well, the whole I, I didn't get to, I missed, but the dialects in general they mm-hmm. tend these are over the top. Yeah, um, it's, it, sometimes it's a little Forrest Gumpy, but it plays within the rules of its universe. Yes, and they all they chose how everyone was going to sound. Yeah. It wasn't like all of a sudden it was like, whoa, what the crap is happening? Um, everybody was, the language is also very dis- distinct. Uh-huh. Um, it, is, it is a period piece, so it's not yeah. like you're watching. It's what, like early 1900s, something like that? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's and it's and it's and it's timely as of now. Yeah. Um. Um. But shout out to Granny too. Oh man, yeah. It's, we um. You know we're we're still here at Malton Fest. We're not sitting at you know the in the studio with our preparations as normal. Um. But definitely IMDb. This movie. It's called Songcatcher. Um. It was. It's a Maggie Greenwald movie. And um, I, I just I'm so thrilled. This is something that we've been introduced to. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh. Mr. Malton was saying that they're on, he, they're, she has three movies. Oh, uh, well, I think he said that she did three movies in a row. I don't know. Oh, what, so she has more. Oh, uh, okay. she, she might. And unfortunately, what happens to a lot of really talented female directors uh, is that they get relegated to just doing TV. Which yeah. isn't to say that that's not a great career, and that's not to say that they're not doing great work. But TV is not a director's medium, so they don't get the accolades that they deserve from no. that. Um, so she may have done that. Yeah, it was an interesting thing. So as we were walking out of the theaters, um, Leonard was talking to some people, and one thing he, he said was... Um, they so to in order to screen movies you have to get all the permissions and the rights etc. And he said they had to inform Lionsgate that they owned the rights to this movie. That is how like deep in the darkness this is gone. Yeah. Um, so I find that extremely fascinating. I do too. Um, so I think we've given you a little capsule. So this, you know, obviously these reviews aren't going to be as in depth as normal, um, but um, definitely seek out this movie. We yes. don't know how you can find it yet, but we will we're, definitely be we're trying gonna, to find it. Yeah, we're going to find a way to find it, and whenever we do, we'll let you guys know what we did. That may just be finding an obscure DVD copy of it on Amazon. Yeah. Well, f- I, regardless, seek this movie out. It's definitely worth your time. It is, and it's an exciting watch. Yeah. Um, and it and it's it clocks in a right around almost two hours yeah probably just under it yeah i mean it's a it's a meaty little movie yeah it's it's phenomenal so i mean as far as first movie for malton fest goes uh i can't wait to see the rest of this afternoon next week we just got to keep the whole or next year we have to keep the whole weekend open i want to see every single movie next year yeah we'll work on it so all right y'all so on to the next one and so again check out maggie greenwald's uh song catcher um especially if you need to see something that Gives you hope and love and, and shout music. out to the Emmy Lou Harris performance at the end. Yeah. Oh gosh. Oh. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, all right. On to the next. It's meant so much because everybody coming in says everyone's smiling and saying hello and wants to talk movies. Well, yeah, that's what our friends are like. <laughs> and the hope with this festival, the goal with the festival, was to make it feel that way for everybody. So even if you didn't know us, we hope that you do now when you feel like family, you feel comfortable, 
you can yell at us, you know, like you do with your own family. Or it's Mother's Day. My mom will come in and be a Jewish mother to any one of you. You're all failing. Why aren't you doctors? Stuff like that. Anyway, we're here to introduce a film that I've always liked and that Jesse wasn't born when it came out. Discovered. It came out in 86. I was born in 86. Well, okay. do you know when I was born? <laughs> As he looks at a paper, yeah, I know when you were born. Hang on a second. I looked at a paper. Uh, it was actually made in '85. It came out, I guess, in the U.S. Don't yell at me in front of the nice people. <laughs> <laughs> Have a nice time. Now, basically, when my dad and I were making our lists of movies, um, there was some stuff that we kind of went, "All right, this is my must." So, for my dad, Nicole Holof Center, he's a huge fan of hers. Needed to have, yes, make the noise with the clap. Nicole Hollow Center, who is here on Friday with Please Give. That was such a thrill. He's such a huge, we all are, but he really, that's, that's one of his favorite people. Uh, for me, the two that I said please, please, please were Songcatcher, which was the movie earlier today, one of my favorites, uh, and then Absolute Beginners. And it's his fault we have Bella Lugosi, so y'all blame him on that one. But uh, Absolute Beginners, I'll never forget seeing it for the first time, because it was unique, but also just something that I, I thought they would try to do this now and not succeed. It, it was really cutting-edge filmmaking. Yeah. No question about it. And uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, so I'm going to watch it with you. And I'm curious to see how it has aged. Yeah. But I have a feeling it's going to hold up. And it's, what's interesting is it's directed by Julian Temple. And at the time, uh, nobody knew who his daughter was. Now, Juno Temple, his daughter, has done a hell of a lot of work, mm -hmm. uh, which is also really exciting. But this is Julian Temple. It came out in 1986. Eddie O'Connell, Patsy Kensett, uh, David Bowie, Sade is in this movie. It's an incredible lineup, and the color, the way it's shot, it's, it's just something exceptional, and I hope that you enjoy it, uh, as we hope that you enjoy all the movies we've been showing. And if you don't, then... <laughs> Rita Tatil printed out this really interesting uh, article that the director, Julian Temple, wrote, and I don't know when he, he actually published this, but in recent years, looking back at Absolute Beginners, and he said uh, that he read Colin McInnes' book, Absolute Beginners, as a teenager, and it enthralled him. He says, I wanted to turn it into a screen musical that captured the birth of the teenage era in Britain and the arrival of a black presence in music. The graybeards who ran cinema were not willing to listen to us young people, though. The answer was basically... Want me to do it for you? Go ahead. off. <laughs> Mike Lee and Ken Loach were the cutting edge of cinema at that time. A musical, with all of its spectacle, went against the grain. So he talked up the idea just to say, look, people are interested in this. That was probably a mistake because it caused this hype that snowballed out of control. According to legend, this was the film that destroyed the British film industry. You're welcome. <laughs> we were trying to hold up a mirror to 1958 and another in 1985 and bounce ideas between the two. And that's how he cast it and came up with this visual concept. And then there's also a little recollection by the leading lady, Patsy Kensett, she says, I was 16 when I got cast as the female lead. I saw Julian on this show called 20th Century Box, and he held up a picture of Bridget Bardot and asked, if you look anything like this, come, come forward. Obviously, I didn't look like her. I couldn't even get an audition. The manager of the band I sang had gone to school with the producer. He 
and Julian came down to see us perform. Uh, it was like a theme park. The sets were so real. Bogue was there shooting Polaroids. And someone from The Face would be wandering around. A lot of the extras were cast from the WAG Club in Soho. There was a minibus that would bring in all these outlandish characters. Lunch in the canteen was like being out on a Saturday night. I was so square. People would be smoking a joint, and I'd be horrified. David Bowie, who was playing an ad man named Bendis, Bendis Partners, yes, only said hello and goodbye to me, but then one day he came into the makeup room, picked up a brush, and started doing my hair. It was the most erotic experience I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that gives you some idea of uh, how unusual this film was in its time. And we're going to look at it now with the mirror of 2019. But before we do that, we're going to have a short set. You may not know this, but my dad likes film history. <laughs> and we wanted to, uh, a lot of folks asked why we weren't showing, showing more old movies. And the truth is, we love them, of course we do. Uh, but with things like TCM, uh, quite a few of them are being shown here. I mean, we weren't going to try to compete with the TCM Classic Film Festival. Because there's do. no need. They do what they do extremely well. Yep. But we love shorts. And we'd like a lot more filmmakers to make shorts or just shorter movies, whichever they prefer. <laughs> just now would be nice. But uh, uh, my dad went through, had an absolute ball picking his favorite shorts. And then we want to get really good prints. So you're going to see, again, all the shorts in the 35 mm -hmm. This one, like several of them we've shown, was preserved by the UCLA Film and Television Archive. We're showing it with their cooperation and blessing. They have no idea we're here. <laughs> so we thank them both for that. And we not only invite you, we urge you and encourage you to sing along with the bouncing ball. And I'm not kidding, he'll find you. This, he, he shows it in his class, and when his students don't sing, he just gets louder. <laughs> Give in to the bouncing ball. Give in to the bouncing ball. And the star of this uh, short is Lillian Roth. If you're unfamiliar with her, she was a very popular musical performer. You may have seen her in the Marx Brothers and Animal Crackers. Uh, she's also in the great Lubitsch film, The Love Parade. And uh, in the 50s, she had a kind of a revival of interest because Susan Hayward played her in a movie called I'll Cry Tomorrow, based on her autobiography. And here she is in her prime. So get ready for that, and then absolute beginners. Uh, an evening of music, courtesy of Paul Hey guys, so we just got out of the theater and we just saw Absolute Beginners. And it's a riot in the theater right now. We actually are standing by the red carpet and, and Alice Moulton is about to get a picture taken with a little gorilla. <laughs> yeah, literally there's somebody in a, in a gorilla costume at the red carpet and that may be our next stop. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we need to talk about uh, Absolute Beginner. What did we just see? This was West Side Story meets Acid meets Color Riots meets... Boy, was that a weird happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if... It's like if... For all my cinephile fans out there, it's like if Ken Russell directed West Side Story. <laughs> I, this was absolutely bananas. This has a David Bowie who's playing super straight David Bowie. Yeah. Which was really interesting to see um i will say that this one of my biggest complaints in music uh, modern 
musicals is they tend to not be a musical and not and there has to be something bigger than life when it comes to a musical because you're, you're singing right and boy this one did not skimp no at all well, at first because the, it doesn't start off with like a traditional musical number no. And, and, like, honestly, there isn't, like, a proper song song for, like, the first 20, 25 minutes of the movie. But it's clearly a musical in style. Yeah, totally. But then, like, once it hits there, boy, it turns into a musical. At one point, it's like, if if the musical and the movie Annie did cocaine, <laughs> do you know what part of the movie I'm referring to? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will say my favorite number was, um, there's, so there's a, one of the characters named Suzette. And uh, she sings a song about having it all. Mm-hmm. And that was one of my favorite numbers. Yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, the song, it doesn't like, it's not going to win an, you know, it didn't win an Oscar. It wasn't like incredible, but the, the whole sequence was really amazing. Well, and I'd forgotten, like, because when I think of Patsy Kensett, and this was her first movie. Okay. Uh, when I think of her, I think of Lethal Weapon 2. She was the she was Mel Gibson's girlfriend in Lethal Weapon 2, That's who right. worked for the South African consulate. She also used to be married to Liam Gallagher from Oasis. She's uh, had quite the life. Yeah, and then I've seen her in other stuff, and like, you, like you never really think of. I never really thought of her more than just like a pretty face. And I mean, don't get me wrong, she is a solid smoke show in this movie. Yeah, but like. She was really good in it, too. Yeah. You know, at first, I, you know, sitting here watching... Sorry. By the way, Leonard Maltin just got strangled by the gorilla. Yeah, this is it's going really well, you guys. Yeah. Um, I, I just... It, this is... That movie was bananas. And as it was going on, I was like, do I like it? Do I not like... I couldn't... I'm not sure where I land on it. I don't it. know. It was an experience. Here's the thing. I am so glad we saw it. Yes. I don't know if I would ever watch it again. <laughs> I don't know either. However... You know, this is a podcast where we are like, you know, should you see it? Should you not see it? Yes, see this movie. See this movie. But just be prepared. Like, just be prepared. Um, I will say, I mean, David Bowie has done no wrong. And I do believe that David Bowie's death was the the fiber of the universe falling apart. So anything with David Bowie in it is practically my favorite. Yeah. Um, The the music and the dance in this are just surreal. Mm -hmm. Um, It... to keep kind of in theme of this, you know, what we talk about, we always talk about earned moments and consequences and rules. And this movie follows none of them. No. This movie introduces a rule, then forgets that it did that just as fast. And y'all, there is a color riot. There's literally, like, the climax fascist leading, like color riots. A bunch of white guys with slick back hair waving torches. Saying, make Britain white. There's and I think there was even a line in there about somebody replacing them, right? Yes. Yeah. And then, it ends with a happy ending. It is the most bizarre thing. Of course, we're not going to spoil it because we, we definitely want you to see this movie. Mm-hmm. It is one thing that Leonard said at the beginning. If you, um, We've been recording the intro, so hopefully we those make it in. At this point of recording, I don't know what all from the intros I'm putting in there. Yeah, so we don't know yet, but one thing we'll he said... We'll be surprised, too. Yeah, uh, but one thing that Leonard said to introduce this movie was, I wonder if it's if it holds up to today mm-hmm. and one thing that Jordan said when you know in the middle you said yeah this is super relevant yeah and it was bizarrely re- relevant it's at 1958 Britain yeah the filmmaking style I don't know if it fully holds up but the message behind the movie is a thousand percent relevant right yeah now. I mean the style though it's coming back in vogue 
It is, but I don't know if, like, even, like, La La Land, which thought that it was going really retro, I don't think that movies are ever going to go this retro on a musical again. That's fair. No, I wouldn't say... So I don't think in Vogue as far as... um, it's not in vogue as far as musicals go because modern musicals are terrible. Mm-hmm. They just, for the most part, have been. And like, I don't count like all the Disney recreations because they're they're not recreating anything. They're just live actioning it. Yeah. Because um, we all know those music, you know that those musics to be quite amazing. So this was a well, this was a bizarre treat. Um, and uh, oh, and we have a dog of the podcast. It's the red carpet gorilla. That's right. Uh, so how are we going to rate this movie? I was hoping that it would come to us as we were talking about I, it. You know, uh, I'm gonna say the biggest blunt I've ever seen. All right. Yeah. So not even not in a comedic one because like comedically I've seen a blunt the size yeah, of me. Yeah. I mean, it's you could watch Cheech and Chong for that. Yes. But but as far as a blunt in a just normal musical, I think we should rate it in ginormous blunts. All right. How many would you give it? I'm going to give it three. I'll give it three, too, because I thoroughly enjoyed watching this movie. I don't think I'm ever going to go back to it, but I'm, I still might. I don't know. <laughs> I really like it. it um, I would listen to the, I would definitely listen to the songs independently. Mm-hmm. I will say that opening sequence of him just going through and, yeah. and like the, the set that they built for the main street that all the kids Incredible. hung out on. Yeah, like, it was, like, Dick Tracy good. Yeah. I mean, the production design in general, his apartment. Yeah. Oh, it's... And this is another one that we saw on 35mm film. Yeah. Yeah. Like, at one point, they even had to, like, readjust the projection in the middle of the movie because you were seeing two frames at once. Yeah, it's... Undoubtedly, if you're able to see this in 35mm, but if you're able just to get your hands on this wacky, wacky movie, uh, I can't recommend it enough. So, so again, the movie is absolute beginner. It is um, done by Julian... Julian Temple. Julian Temple. And it is bananas. It stars David Bowie. It has uh, Ray Davies from The Kinks playing the father. And that was just such a weird sequence. Y'all, the climax... like we've told you essentially kind of what's what's going to happen you don't know how it's going to get there no i don't think there's any like in a capsule review there's no way for us to spoil this movie no it's bananas um fun fact carmen ojogo who uh, if you've watched the season three of true detective if you've seen the hair uh the not harry fantastic potter beast. fantastic beast she plays uh, the she british also, prime minister yeah she was also in uh, it comes at night yeah um oh yeah she's just a, she's she, really good she's a really great yeah. actress and she's a from what we can tell a little girl in this movie yeah it's crazy mm-hmm. um it was crazy fun the acting in it is quite the, the acting in this is so committed. It's so good. The, it it's, is committed, but just like this movie, it is all over the place. Yeah. I, <laughs> but whatever their decision, they made a choice and they stuck with it. Yeah. So, um, absolute beginner. I would say go out of your way to see it and experience it. Mm-hmm. If And especially see if you can actually, like, experience it. Yeah, find, um, find a way to actually experience it. Don't just, like, put it on while you're cleaning the house or something like that. No. Experience this movie. Um, I would say, too, um, you know, especially here in Los Angeles, it's 10,000 times easier. But if you have an independent movie theater in your area, um, for example, growing up, there was the, uh, we, you know, Jordan and I grew up in Nashville. You go to, like, the Belmont Theater. So go find your, like, local theater and be like, yo, 
can you get this movie and screen it? Yeah. Um, because there's a very likelihood there's other movie geeks like you and like us who would probably go see this, and that's how you're going to see this one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to get ready for Bella Lugosi meets a Brooklyn ape. Whew. Let's do this. All right. Well, ain't that sweet. <laughs> ain't <And> that sweet. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to take and a break ask here. you very confidentially, ain't she sweet? <laughs> there, there we go. Yeah. So I wanted to take a break here and talk about this short in particular. Because, uh, you know, I think we mentioned all three shorts in every uh, review that we did. Yes. Uh, this one was actually really fun. And uh, because it was one of those bouncing ball shorts, which I never realized was actually invented by Max Fleischer. I uh, didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so the short that we saw, uh, if you just Google Ain't She Sweet uh, yes. Lillian Roth, uh, you can actually watch this. It's like eight minutes long. It starts with a cartoon and then... The cartoon is trippy. Uh, okay. The cartoon is weird. It's weird. And it essentially ends with kittens walking into a candy machine and then they sell the candy for consumption yep so it's weird but then it goes into a really interesting transition into live action and it's just Lillian Roth who was a star back in the day and unfortunately she had a very tragic end to her life it was really sad uh but whenever she's in her early 20s and she's leading you through this song and I, I just thought it was cool because the whole theater was singing along with uh, with this song. Well, and so according to Jesse, when this plays, Leonard always plays, I guess, this short in his class. In mm -hmm. his class, um, and he makes everyone sing. So yeah. she was just like, he's going to make you sing. Everyone sing. <laughs> uh, so gosh darn it, we all sing. Well, and that's why I wanted to single this one out too, because you know we're gonna, we're gonna put out on social media where you can find all these shorts. I'm gonna try and provide links to everybody, because you really should see them. They're very interesting time capsules. Yeah. But this one, what I loved about it, and this was kind of a common theme throughout the weekend but especially the day we were there is that film and art is supposed to be like a communal event it's like yes shut up while you're in the movie but you should be able to talk and examine and analyze and just enjoy the fact that there are a bunch of people around you who are all there to see the same thing yeah and that's just why i really wanted to give a special shout out to this one so yeah. uh, how many uh how many cat lollipops would you give this short oh gosh um well, I almost felt like it was two different shorts. Oh, absolutely. So the first one, I'd give like a two and a half because uh -huh. I was weirded out by it. Yeah. Um, and then I'd probably give the second one a three and a half. I probably would too. I'd give the whole communal event a solid four though. Oh, I agree. It was really fun to be able to sing it. And by the end, it felt like almost everyone was singing. And Lillian Roth really reminded me of somebody, uh, like a current, a current actress or comedian um, I couldn't think of who it was, but there was one particular moment in there where she almost reminded me of uh, Kate Micucci. Oh. Yeah, for those of you who don't know Kate Micucci, she's uh, back in the, early, in the late 2000s when everybody was carrying around a ukulele. She was the best of the ukulele girls. Uh, she was on Scrubs uh, as the yeah, ukulele girl. She's, great. she's on Raising Hope. Uh, she all, actually also has a really great. Uh, 
like live show that she does. It's called Garfunkel and Oats, and she does it with another comedian. I can't remember her name, but I actually once uh, sold Kate McCucci a piano when I worked at oh, Samish. Right. Yeah, um, I'm actually on Wikipedia right now, mm-hmm. and because I just Googled Lillian Roth, mm-hmm. if you actually on her uh, Wikipedia page, you can actually see two of her bouncing ball shorts. Oh, really? Uh, including Ain't She Sweet. Um, she was a so this is back what was cool about the shorts that we saw is they were all from this when the studios Mm -hmm. like the studio era and so she was contracted by Paramount in the beginning of her um, uh, beginning of her career Um, but she looks like too she was on another Max Fleischer uh, bouncing ball um, called Down Among the Sugar Cane (laughs) 1932 yeah yeah all the shorts that we saw were from the late 20s and the early 30s yeah um yeah so definitely go check these out we're gonna have those links up there for you but uh yeah let's get back to the rest of malton fest enjoy i'm jesse malton i think alice malton is outside flirting with the monkey (laughs) give credit where credit is due this is her doing. Oh. Jesse conceived this idea and who then executed it with our friend Stacy Howard. So hey, I just have to real quick. Stacy's right there. That, that gorgeous redhead. Uh, really and truly, without Stacy, we would not have this film festival. And she's really not taking the credit she should be taking, but she's the other half of this. The other part, though, is every time my dad says that this is because of me, I say, that that's really lovely, but um, <laughs> none of this is without him. Because the most incredible part, <laughs> hang on, hang on, there's more. The most incredible, there's the queen. Hold on, everybody. Alice Bolton, ladies and gentlemen. Without whom nothing happens. Uh, come on, Mama. It's not like you're shy. As she goes, hello, everyone. No, my dad. I'll be there in a couple hours. We'll be here, Mama. You're fine. Don't worry. I'll be there. You don't remember, but the most amazing thing has been that Lusky, I'm gonna kill you. No, no, take your time. Just roll her down the aisle, folks. Because uh, we know Dan O'Shannon is here. Hi, Dan O'Shannon. There's a whole bunch of us here, Mama. Lots of our friends. I know, Mother. I know. It's Mother's Day, for God's sake. There you go. Yeah, Stacy will carry your things. There you go. That's really what she's mostly been doing. Here she comes. Down the, down the aisle, ladies and gentlemen. Let me just say, let me just say, as we've started doing this, the most incredible part has been the emails I've gotten from people about my dad. Anyone who knows us knows how close we are. We're an extremely close family for a whole lot of reasons. But my dad, sorry, um, my dad, people are just, you mean so much to people. Responses that we've gotten from so many people talking about how much you mean to them and that without you they wouldn't love film the way that they do. 
and that the reason they want to help us with this festival is because of you and everything that you've given them. I, I could not be more proud of every part of this. And the reason we have a film festival called Mountain Fest is because of you and because of everything that you've done. From the books that you've written and the people that you've interviewed and the work that you've put in, it's an amazing thing. And we're so proud of you. Me and Mommy are so proud of you. everybody is the greatest gift that I have and so the reason we put together this film festival is so that everybody can sort of be a part of our crazy family <laughs> and enjoy getting yelled at by Alice because why should I be the only one <laughs> you know and, and it's uh, never yelled never in our lives no um, it's it has really been such a pleasure to hear from so many people around the world um, telling me stories that the first time they saw them on TV, the first book they got, everything. It's been overwhelming and absolutely incredible. And I will tell you, the other half, though, is that if he hadn't been, if he hadn't married this one, there wouldn't be the Malton side of the business because my mom is the reason my dad's career is, is where it is. And so between the two of them, this whole, what I lovingly call the Malton Empire, they're the ones that built it. And so now... The most important thing I can do is make sure that everybody remembers who he is, gets to see the movies that he wants to share with people, and gets to gets to see him in person because he's the most passionate and loving and kind man. And the fact that this guy who loves movies so much is also that is um it just makes you who you are, Daddy. And you're an amazing man. We're so happy to have you all join our family this weekend, and we thank you so much, every single one of you. Uh, it means the world to us. It does, really. It really does, and I have to tell you, this is one of the happiest days of my life, and I'm not given to happiness. She's Jewish. It's not a thing. I'm allowed to be happy, but I'm, I'm so happy. I'm so happy and I'm proud of Stacy, and I'm and all of our friends who came through to help Everybody. us this weekend. Yeah. So many friends who volunteered. Every, every single person, I keep saying you should not want to be our friend because every single yeah. friend we have is working outside. <laughs> you know? And I want to start, thank Steve for being the gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all right, Steve. Come on out. For our podcast friends, the gorilla has come out. <laughs> the gorilla is bounding up to the stage. I repeat, That's the gorilla commitment. is bounding up to the stage. That's commitment. Look at that. <laughs> but in this case, being that it's you, it's our Bronx gorilla. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much. I cannot tell you how much we appreciate you. Uh, from my heart, everybody who came, everybody who just came to say hello and support us. This is year one. Next year, year two. We will need you, Daddy, to introduce. I'm just gonna say this. <laughs> what do I say after a, a speech like that from my dog? What can I, what can I say? I, I, I won't try to 
follow up on anything she said except to say that I'm proud of my family and I love my family. Uh, and we're in this together. Woo! know why you're all here. <laughs> you're all here to see this particular. Now, how many people have never seen Bela Lugosi meets a Brooklyn? Quite a, oh, quite a lot of you. Quite a lot of you. Okay, well then, I'll try to prepare you as best I can. Um, but I wanted to show this because I've always had a perverse fascination with this film. And very deeply, and I don't think there's any need to. <laughs> Bella Lugosi meets a Brooklyn gorilla. <laughs> now, uh, but I've been, I've been learning things about it from some of our guests tonight. Uh, so the story behind this movie is, is fairly simple. Uh, in the early 50s, the hottest acting show business was Dean Martin and Jerry Bell. They were just on fire. So Dean and Jerry were so hot, that there, and there was a, a teenage performer named Sammy Petrillo who essentially did Jerry Lewis. He vaguely resembled Jerry, and he got Jerry's shtick down pretty close. Uh, and Maurice Duke and Jack Broder concocted this movie to take advantage of the fact that they found a guy named Duke Mitchell. Uh, any of Duke's family here tonight? Just, just, just checking. Uh, uh, they said, well, let's, let's put this cut-rate Martin and Lewis into a movie. <laughs> then they hired Bela Lugosi. I mean, who, you know, who would have thought to do that? Uh, it was just a couple years after Evan Costello meet Frankenstein. So Bela is, is a little older here, but he, he brings such gravitas to his scenes. He's not playing comedy here. He's playing it straight, and that's why it works in the movie, in the context of the movie, is he is still the imposing Bela Lugosi that we remember. A little older, but he's still delivering that, that wonderful, uh, let's say, that wonderful intonation of his. Uh, so you've got all of that. How did the movie get made? It got made of... Uh, not far from here, what was for years called General Service Studios. It's now Red Studios, I think. Uh, and in the meantime, Jerry Lewis, who had seen Sammy do his shtick, he was aware of Sammy. Jerry became concerned that there was this movie that was going to steal their thunder. So he went to his boss, Hal Wallace, the very powerful producer, than a Paramount, and who's first signed Martin Lewis to a movie contract. And they sent a cease and desist letter to Maurice Duke. Hal Wallace and Jerry Lewis then demanded a screening of the film. And once they saw it, they said, oh, forget it. <laughs> That's how significant this movie is. <laughs> they didn't bother to put a cease and desist through. When I was talking to a friend last week, he said, you know, it's actually not a badly made movie. No, it's not, because it was, it was directed by William Bodine, king of the B-movies. Tim Ryan gets principal screenplay credit, additional dialogue. Somebody wanted credit for that. Uh, <laughs> Leon Yuki Sharon, who was an old crony of Bing Crosby. He was beyond Bing's radio show. 
So all these people came together and made this movie, which will only take an hour and a quarter of your life. <laughs> you could watch this twice, and the Avengers would still be running. <laughs> That's how brief. So, all right, so now you have the context of the film, which came out in 1952. And uh, people can't believe that there really is such a movie. They said, yes, it's here. So we have been very blessed this weekend to have the cooperation of the UCLA Film and Television Archive, Paramount, Warner Brothers, Universal. They were all very generous with the short subjects in particular that we wanted to show. And the, and the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences archive, they've been just uh, beyond generous. Mike Pogozelski and his staff, they're all just great. And I was talking to Mike on the phone, see if anybody, excuse me, if anybody had a proper 35 millimeter print of this movie. He said, I've never heard of one, I don't know one. He looked on his database, on his computer, while we're on the phone, he says, oh my god, we have a 35 <laughs> I said, why do we have this? <laughs> he looked further and found out that it was donated to the Academy just about four years ago by the Lugosi family. Uh, we incorrectly said it was Bela Lugosi's personal print. I don't believe it was. But it somehow wound up in the possession of Bela Lugosi Jr and his children, and they donated that and other materials they had to the Academy. <coughs> and that's how this print wound up being there. Well, at first, Mike said, Gee, the, the uh, condition report is not very good. You may not be able to show it. It has shrinkage, it has splices, scratches. So he said, and the worst reel is real too. So why don't we screen that together? So I went to the Academy, and we watched it together on a flatbed viewer. And, you know, you're not sitting here with a libretto following every line of dialogue. So the, the fact that there's a splice here and there it is, in fact, if there's any film that would seem appropriate to watch, it's Bela Lugosi meets a Brooklyn Gorilla. This is probably better than most people saw the film when it came out or in subsequent years on television. So that's how we have to be showing this film. And, uh, and we're grateful the Lugosi family had it, and we're grateful to the Academy for the loan of the print. And we hope it goes through the projector safe and sound tonight. <laughs> Keep your fingers crossed. Our short subject tonight. I've chosen uh, all the shorts uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, affection, uh, rarity, fun. What you're going to see is another comedy team, far distant from Duke Mitchell and Sammy Petrillo. This is a comedy team doing their vaudeville act. Shaw and Lee. Shaw and Lee did this act for Vitaphone on camera in 1928. Think about that. 91 years ago. Uh, a lockdown camera, essentially, shot this vaudeville act and saved it for posterity. I don't know how to describe it, except that it seems to me that it's slightly surreal. <laughs> so what better occasion to show it on than the finale of Malton Fest accompanying Bela Lugosi meets a Brooklyn Gorilla. The short is called The Bo Brummels, and I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for being here.
Well, hello from inside the Egyptian where we just saw Bella Lugosi meets a Brooklyn gorilla. It was definitely something that exists in this world <laughs> that we witnessed with our eyes. One thing that this movie always just truly reminds me of is anytime you think uh, old movie is old and that it is not in such a light that you think that they're like ignorant then you've obviously never seen an old Hollywood movie. This movie is pure satire. I almost I do kind of disagree with you on that. I I, I complete like I yes yes I, I I this is satire. They were so they were making fun of Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. See, I thought they were just trying to rip off Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Our listeners, you guys will recognize this is a movie called. You know, Bella Lugosi meets a Brooklyn gorilla, and we're sitting here discussing if it's Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, because that's how, that's how crazy this movie is. <laughs> it was it was awesome. I I also loved so the um, Leonard has put put it this weekend together. There's a there's a short film mm-hmm. uh, before the main the main movie, and we watched this vaudeville act, and it was just great he described it as surreal and it really was uh what was it shaw and lee yeah yeah um it was just tremendous and i also great fact you can actually go on the internet right now and Mm -hmm. watch bella lugosi's meets a girl yes this is public domain it is on youtube right now yeah um what was cool about this is that um this is a 35 millimeter um, that was um, from the Bella Lugosi family that they donated to the Academy. And so we got to see it, um, flaws and all. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually really glad they it, were there. It was missing some... Like, it, a couple frames. Yeah, it was missing some frames and uh, very rough edits, and it was awesome. It was, yeah, it was really cool. I, I don't want to ruin this movie, but it is... The reason I think it's satire mm-hmm. is because it is set up like every Hollywood movie. It puts it in this ridiculous place. They sing at the most inappropriate moments. Mm-hmm. The reactions are really on the nose as opposed to a film. Like traditionally an old Hollywood m- movie that's not necessarily a musical but has music in it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not as on the nose. Like they might as well have winked at the camera. Um, this is not Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, obviously. Um, but this is a version of them, and I, and I think that the story is over the top. Um, that has a kind of a, a funny twist at the end. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of fun. I certainly don't want to ruin that now that I know that this is public domain and people just can go watch it. Yeah. Why do you feel that this is totally serious? I feel that it was somebody being like, "Hey, this guy looks like Jerry Lewis. I think if we pair him with somebody who's kind of Dean Martin, they can do him with their own Martin and Lewis movie." And I think that the script was just, like, kind of inept. And it it was given to a B-movie crew who did the best that they could with it. Yeah, but like Leonard was saying at the beginning of this, this is a director, like an A-list director that just got caught in B-movies. I think this director was far smarter than that. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I think it's more satire. The script is a but, wreck. But this also comes from an era where directors didn't have the same control over movies that we're used to directors having. You know. Yeah, but not in the B-movie realm. We're talking about the studio system. Mm-hmm. 
This was not in the studio system. Maybe. It's... I'm... I'm on the fence whether okay. this is satire or not. I think it's I think it's purely satire. Yeah. Um, what are we gonna rate this in? Uh, bananas, I guess. <gasps> That's what I was gonna say. Hey, look at that. How many bananas would you give it? All right. Honestly, I don't even know how I'm gonna rate this movie right now, because, like, if I would have watched it anywhere else, I don't think I could have finished it past the first five minutes. That's fair. Um, so that means that I didn't like it, but I really enjoyed my experience watching it now. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give this two different ratings. My experience watching this, four stars. Okay. The movie itself, yeah, it's going like two stars. Okay. I was going to give it a three, three and a quarter. Yeah. I think this, um, again, I think this movie is smarter than we give it credit for. It is a B movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's a, It's official rating, and I think with the B movie rating, I think that they could have a little bit more freedom. Mm-hmm. I don't think this movie should be taken as seriously. Yeah. But I think it's... A worthy, I think it's a worthy cause. I will agree. If you are going to watch this movie, watch it in the spirit of fun. Yes, please do not take this movie very seriously because no. you will turn it off. The, the, it is, it is done a long time ago, and is very offensive. Uh, yes, this movie takes place on a Polynesian island. There are only white people in this movie, and trust me, the makeup is very heavy. Yeah. 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 Oh, and all the people who are in makeup show up as white people later on. <laughs> that too. Yeah. That too. Um, it's 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 very interesting. I I it's it, if nothing else too, this gives you. A, I don't know. I just think this is a movie, a smarter movie than it seems on the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, especially having spent the whole day here and seeing the kind of movies that we have seen, mm-hmm. I don't think that this movie would have been shown if it's at face value. And that's a that's a ridiculously good point. I also, you know, he also introduced this movie by saying that he has a perverse love for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, that being said, I think because I. Go see this movie and then let us know what you think because yeah. I think we're a little... We could sit and talk longer about this, but mm-hmm. again, we are sitting in the Egyptian yeah. um, as soon as this movie ended. So I, I think we're just... Both can't believe what we just saw. Yeah. Again, I don't want... But Bella Lugosi mm-hmm. was awesome. Yeah. And this movie happened in a really sad time in Bella Lugosi's career because he never really matched the, his success as Dracula. Yeah. Um, so he was basically just willing to do anything for money. But, I mean, you know what? He was given the job to do, and he just did it. He did it. Um, no, I don't want people to think that I didn't enjoy this experience watching this movie, because I a thousand percent did. Um, just as a movie, I probably, I probably don't think I, I don't think I have a perverse love for it, but... I am really glad that I watched it in the setting that I did because this was really cool. It was really cool. It was really fun. I I laughed yeah. out loud several times in this theater. Laughed out loud several times. Mm-hmm. Um, it was again. It was a crazy experience. So I think you need to put. Please watch yeah. it and put a hat on where it's. Watch it in the same spirit that you watch like mystery science theater or yeah. whenever if you ever watch a movie that How Did This Get Made is gonna do. Watch it in that spirit. And if you if you check your cynicism at the door, then I think you'll watch it and have a good time. I agree. Um, 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, this was a was a wacky experience. Yes, it was. It was really fun. Um, it was really really fun. I'm really glad we did it. And uh, I I annihilated some M and M's. And it's really late here in Los Angeles. So I think we're, we need to say goodnight to our wonderful audience. Thank you for joining us for this very, very special episode. Yes. Um, we've had a really great day. Yeah. Next year, all three days? Yeah. We've watched 12 hours of movies today. Yes, we did. I'm totally fine yeah, with that. Yeah, it was wonderful. Well, I guess with that being said, I'm Jess. I'm Jordan. And we'll see you next time. Well, 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 hope you really enjoyed this very, very special episode of Malton Fest with here at Date Night at the Movies. Yeah. Um, overall, should we should we rate Malton Fest? I don't think we can. I don't think so either. Um, I don't think five stars is enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and in honor of Leonard Malton, let's not give any stars. Yes. Um, but a little, I guess, capsule review is... You know, we talk about all the time how living in Los Angeles was a love-hate relationship, but the love of living there always came from the absolute incredible things that you encounter. And the fact that we were sitting on our couch, was it like a Saturday morning, we saw Malton Fest, and we were like, we're going, Mm -hmm. because we were going to be in LA anyway for all these other things. And, I, you know, it's just one of those moments Two, where it reminds me that those of us who love movies and love our family, there's a space for that. Yeah. And I just, it was such a very special thing. And it was, you know, there's something to be said about being at the inaugural Mm -hmm. and to literally be there with what felt like what was friends. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, I already mentioned earlier how powerful the communal aspect of it was. But everybody there, nobody was there to... I was afraid that it was going to be just a lot of people with podcasts like us. You know, and like we didn't go there to try and promote our podcast or anything. But, you know, whenever people would talk to us, that inevitably came up. And I was like, oh, it's going to end up being like a networking thing. But literally everybody there was there just to share their love and fascination of these movies. Yeah. Um, I was, I'm fortunate enough to where, uh, when we went to the book signing, uh, I brought one of the Leonard Malton movie guides with me and I got to share with him my experience of, uh, essentially it was like religious testimony, I suppose. It was the closest thing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I got to share with him my experience of that and just how much his, how much he meant to me and, nurturing my love of movies and he inscribed uh to me to jordan a true believer leonard malton and that's a pretty high point for me you know uh so i just i just loved it and like you know we we got to go uh we got to hang out outside with a couple from new york who after the first two movies we just got to just hang out and talk about it and it was just a really chill cool time uh, I got to meet Robert Forster and talk with him, and we were just talking about these really weird movies that we yeah. were watching. Um, and another highlight for me was getting to meet Alicia Malone, mm-hmm. um, who works for Turner Classic Movies, and she does um, capsule reviews there. But it, um, we we did share a couple of the books that she did, um, and one of them I'm most excited to read is The Female Gaze. Um, if The way that we watch movies today is through the male gaze, and it's just very commonly known that known as such um so there's 
you know, it just kind of re it, I don't know, it reinvested in, you know, what we do and how it, it just was overall really special. And it was a reinvestment into what we, we have chosen to do with our lives. Yeah. And, um, and someone recently was like, Hey, you know, movie reviews are a dime a dozen. You can listen Mm -hmm. to podcasts and listen to movie reviews all the time. And if you've gotten to this point in the podcast, then you are also a true believer. And I will say that our podcast comes first and foremost with a true love of movies, Mm -hmm. but also we really bring our whole family into this. Yeah. Um, this be, this is genuinely a part of our date nights. When you listen to our interviews, we always ask our special guests, what do you do on a date night? So I think we need to just reinvest in how do we build relationships within, with one another? And that's the joy of this podcast is the joy of doing what we do and really and truly interviewing people that love, love, love what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we do it because this is how we spend our time together. And so we're giving you a little moment into what it's like to be Hollywood filmmakers and spend a little time with us. Yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, I can't really summarize it any better. So I think we should just go on ahead and sign off. Well, 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 here we go. Thanks so much for joining us here at Date Night at the Movies. Okay, maybe I should have signed us off there. <laughs> And we'll see you next time.